20th century. Today I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Walter Block. Would you like to introduce yourself, doctor? I'm Walter Block. I'm a professor of economics at Loyola University and uh, a long-time Austrian economist and libertarian. Yep. And uh, I wanted to have you on today, Dr. Walter Block, because um, at Mises University you actually talked about uh, that you're doing a third, um, a third installment of the Defending the Undefendable series. And uh, I think me and many others have found that series to be very interesting in um, its analysis of different, you know, acts that are considered, you know, reprehensible or evil by common society, but really under a libertarian framework are are not. And I kind of wanted to ask you what undefendables really are left that you have not defended um, that you you want to get to. Well, I'm, I am going to work on uh, defending the undefendable four, and uh, but I haven't got any uh, candidates yet. I, I, I figure <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with some. But uh, what you said is not exactly true. Um, what I'm defending is um, the legality of things, of not necessarily that they're good or virtuous. Uh, we have to distinguish between uh, what is it, a crime and a, and a, um, a vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, take prostitution. I don't favor prostitution. I, I don't go to prostitutes. I wouldn't want my wife, daughter, uh, sister to be a prostitute. Uh, I think that that's not a good way to interact with people. The question is, for the libertarian, is should it be legal? Mm-hmm. Should people who do that between consenting adults go to jail? And I'm defending prostitution only in that latter sense. That no, they shouldn't be go to jail because they don't violate the libertarian principle. So there are a lot of th- now there are some things that are virtuous, and also you go to jail for say um, uh, paying less than the minimum wage law. I think the minimum wage law is a rights violation, and if I offer you a job for three dollars an hour, uh, we'd both go to jail uh, if I was serious. And and uh, I don't think that's a, a vice <laughs> to offer someone three dollars an hour. Uh, so I would defend anything that should be legal on the grounds that is legal. And some of the things are virtuous and some of the things are vices, but that is less important to the libertarian because libertarianism is a theory of uh, when can violence be properly utilized, namely in this case, so when can something be against the law and you, and you go to jail or you, you're penalized by the government for it. So that's the main question that libertarians face. All right. Um, do you think that, you know, possibly that, you know, some people argue that really the the legality versus the morality question, though they're they're not they're not um, interchangeable, at least under the current society. Um, that you know what is legal is what is moral, and vice versa, or at least in the framework of the current society we live under so w- would you say that maybe it, it it could be problematic if we were legalizing just legalizing vices without actually achieving a society in where legality and morality are actually considered separate because a lot of people would argue they, they're really not at least in the minds of most people well i agree in the minds of most people they're not but most people are not libertarians and we're libertarians and our duty, I guess, if you want to put it that way, or our joy, 
-hmm. is to explore what libertarianism means. And I think what it means is that there's a gigantic chasm between morality and legality. Uh, just because something is uh, immoral doesn't mean it, it should be against the law or, or not against the law. The two are very different. I mean, respecting your parents is moral. And, and if you don't respect your parents, you're immoral. Should you go to jail for not respecting your parents? Well, hardly. Mm -hmm. or, or lying. I now tell you two plus two is five. It's a blatant lie on my part. I know two plus two is four. Um, I engaged in immorality, I suppose. I told a, an untruth. I, I lied. Should I go to jail for that? Well, um, not not unless uh, I you hired me to be your math tutor. <laughs> I'm, I'm misleading you, in which case I'm guilty of fraud. Uh, but apart from that, um, I don't think uh, violence should be used against me for saying that two plus two is five. Hmm. So... I wanted to ask uh, uh, about specific undefendables, as, as you know, the term is, uh, because, you know, I think a lot of the the undefendable mindset is, is coming up. Uh, a lot of people get called undefendables. Um, a very close word would be deplorable that it has been used in politics a lot. Uh, but I wanted to ask specifically because it, it's the hot button issue about uh, anti-vaxxers, people who've refused to take the vaccine. Uh, what's your view on this? Um, is it a, a immorality that should be legal, uh, or or are they not in these these this category of undefendables that you would defend? Well, you know, I really don't. I, I've written three books now. Each one has got thirty or forty chapters, and I don't remember offhand what I've got in there. Uh, mm -hmm. But I certainly do remember my views on vaccinations. Mm -hmm. I recently wrote an article in the Journal of Libertarian Studies on this, and I am taking a view that um, most people don't take. Most libertarians do not take. Now, the way I see libertarianism or libertarians, they're either hawks or doves. The hawks are the ones that say, you got to take the vaccination. You don't take the vaccination. Um, we're going to, you know, you're going to lose your job and, and, and maybe you should go to jail for not taking the vaccination because if you don't take it, you're like typhoid Mary and you're spreading disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, libertarians are against that. Uh, you know, uh, typhoid Mary, well, she wasn't, uh, she had no mens rea. She uh, didn't realize that she was infected, but uh, she was infecting people with typhoid, which is a dread disease. And uh, we were entitled to lock her up, not in a jail, but in, a, you know, house arrest or, you know, keep her comfortable and happy. But we couldn't let her out in, into the public. So those are the hawks. Then there are the doves that say this is all BS. This is nonsense. Uh, the government has improved squat. And um, therefore, uh, the anti-vaxxers are correct and nobody should pay a penalty for not getting the jab. And you shouldn't lose your job if you don't get the jab. My own view is agnostic. You know, in religion, you're either an atheist or um, a theist or an agnostic. Uh, a, a, a theist believes in God, an atheist says there is no God, an agnostic says I don't know. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of a cop-out, but I'm willing to cop-out um, <laughs> in, in vaccinations. Uh, why do I want to cop-out? Because I'm an economist. What do I know about... Um, uh, epidemiology. I'm not a, a medical doctor. I have a doctorate, but it's in economics. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Um, I believe in specialization and division of labor. And, um, you know, in physics, they're having a, an argument as to whether matter is like a, a wave or a particle. And in astronomy, they're having a debate over is Pluto a planet. I don't have any views on those things either. I'm an agnostic on those views. And I think that anyone who says qua libertarian that Pluto is a planet or Pluto isn't a planet or that matter is made of um, uh, whatever, a wave or a particle or whatever, uh, they're exceeding what libertarianism has to say. Mm-hmm. So my view is that we qua libertarians don't know. We don't know just how contagious it is and how dangerous it is. Maybe we know a little bit more in the last year and a half, but we still don't know. And then uh, there's this Omicron virus. So I'm neither a hawk nor a dove. I'm against atheism and theism. I'm an agnostic on this question. And I think that's the proper libertarian view. Mm -hmm. So would you characterize that as being, you know, neutral on any like COVID policies? Like you're, would you say you're not against the vaccine mandate, but you're also not for it? Well, you know, the burden of proof is on he who wants to use violence against other people. Mm hmm. If you want to put typhoid Mary in into um, a house arrest, the burden of proof is on you, not her. It's on you. Has the government met its burden of proof? No, government has not met any any sort of any sense of burden of proof. Uh, there, you know, they keep talking about the science, but one of the essences of science is open inquiry, and what the government is doing with doctors who disagree with the mainstream view. Uh, they threatened to take their medical license away. What about epidemiologists who disagree? Uh, they threatened to cancel them or to, you know, get their get them fired. So uh, I, I, you know, I think philosophically I'm, I'm um, uh, an agnostic, but when it comes time, uh, when the rubber meets the road, if you have to make one choice or the other, I would be a a dove. I would say that the government has not met anything near its burden of proof, and therefore it has no right to compel anyone to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting view um, because I think a lot of people feel as if they have to be on one side or the other with it, uh, especially as libertarians. Um, I know uh, Stephen Kinsella, who I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, uh, he gets into a lot of arguments about this uh, because he's not against the vaccine, he's taking the vaccine. But many libertarians will, will shame you for giving getting the vaccine, saying you're, you're, you're falling into the government's ploy. And um, I think it's interesting that, that you are in this position of, you know, it's, it's not necessarily good or bad. Um, it, it comes down to really, do they meet this burden of proof? Um, which I don't think a lot of libertarians are really considering as a thing. They're really just looking at the the implications overall and then moving that down philosophically. Um, Which actually does kind of bring me to another point about um, a recent argument that got really, really big among libertarians online right now is uh, a disagreement over uh, the use of police now. Um, not really saying, okay, well, in Ancapistan or in an anarcho-capitalist world or libertarian world, you know, the police would ideally be privatized, there would be no public property, but how do we approach public property now? Um, you know, we have 
parks it was the example parks that you know homeless people will encamp in they will do drugs and even sometimes have sex in them and these are places where we would ideally like to take our children we don't really have that much in the way of alternatives and people said some uh, the people on one side said well the cops exist there are only current force of enforcement on public property so have the cops remove them and um, other libertarians got very upset how how could you want to use cops how could you be a libertarian and use cops I kind of wanted to get your um, view on this are we allowed to use are, are we allowed to endorse state used violence on public property if it is to enforce the current law or do we have to um, oppose it everywhere we see it well this is a very good uh, challenging uh, point and before I answer it, um, I just wanted to say that libertarians are divided on other issues mm -hmm. beside uh, this one and beside the uh, COVID. Uh, we're also divided on uh, abortion. Ron Paul is pro-life. Murray Rothbard is pro-choice. Uh, they're, they're two leaders, uh, and yet they're uh, 180 degrees apart. Uh, on immigration, Hans Hoppe and uh, Murray Rothbard are um, uh, not for open borders, and then there are many libertarians who are for open borders. So it should occasion no surprise that here, too, libertarians are uh, divided. Um, you know, uh, we live in a complex world, and we libertarians are trying to do our best. But with the best will in the world, uh, you know, we're, we're not smart enough to see um, um, God's eye view. Uh, we have to just do the best we can with our limited uh, intellectual capacities. Okay, so now uh, let me uh, try to address the question of should you um, employ the police to stop um, bums from um, um, uh, hanging out in, in uh, Central Park in, in New York City? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like that question because it's really two questions, and I like to handle one at a time. So let me first just talk about police in general and forget about the park issue, and then we'll talk about the park and then try to put the two together. Okay, so... Um, What's with the police? Well, you know, sometimes the police do very bad things. They put people in jail for victimless crimes, um, pornography, uh, prostitution, um, uh, drugs, whatever. On the other hand, sometimes the police do good things. Uh, they stop murder, they stop rape, or they uh, arrest the rapist, or they arrest the, the murderer. Um, the only problem with that is we still don't like the way their jobs are financed. But if you look at it in isolation, if you put the horses, um, uh, what do you call it, blinders on, and you just see a cop arresting somebody for uh, rape, uh, that's a virtuous act. So what we have to say is, I think, with regard to public police, that they, they do some good things and they do some bad things. And um, so we're ambivalent. We favor the good things and we oppose the bad things. And we certainly oppose how they're um, paid based on taxes, which are uh, compulsory. Uh, so much for the police. What about um, the parks? Um, should the bums, it used to be bums. Now they're no longer bums. They're homeless people. Uh, but uh, whatever. Uh, should, um, should they be allowed to go into the park? Well, uh, I, I uh, disagree with Murray Rothbard on liberating library books from public libraries. 
Murray said you shouldn't be able to do it or you shouldn't allow the bum in the library who's going to sell it up and make it impossible for anyone to go in there. And I'm saying, well, you know, um, I guess I disagree with Murray on this one. I, I think that we shouldn't have public libraries or public parks. And anything that screws them up has got to be to the good. So uh, we should um, we should allow the bums or the homeless people into the parks. And if the um, uh, people with children who want their children to play there um, without uh, homeless people um, uh, interfering with them, well, then they should rise up and stop the public libraries and stop the public parks. So I would, uh, in this case, now let's put the two together. I would be on the side of um, opposing uh, the police from kicking the bum out of the library or the bum out of the park. Mm -hmm. Not because I, I think that it's good. I, I mean, I'm against bums. I'm against uh, homeless people. Um, I, I think that um, the main reason we have homeless people is um, they shut down the mental institutions and a lot of them are mentally uh, pro troubled. And then also you have rent control and zoning and all sorts of government um, uh, policies that um, uh, make it difficult to have housing. And if we had double the amount of housing, we'd have many fewer of them. But still, um, I think that um, uh, we, we should not unleash the police to stop them. Mm -hmm. What we should do is uh, privatize the thing. And then in, in those cases, the, the whole bum problem disappears. Uh, you get a private library or a private park, Disney World. Uh, Disney World is a private park, and if there's a bum in there, uh, they kick the bum out. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and then people can go to uh, private parks. So uh, what would happen if, if the public parks were no longer available because they were bummed out or bummed up or whatever the word is? Well, then private people would open up private parks, and kids could go there safely. Mm -hmm. So... An arg a counter argument that uh, the side um, who would like to, you know, use the police to remove uh, bums, as it is, from public parks to remove them off of public property in general, really, is that um, it's twofold. The first one is being that, well, the the argument of just going to a private park or privatizing the park is not really, you know, realistic in the sense that. It, it can't just happen overnight. There is this problem now, here and now, and it causes many, many, many problems. Usually, the the homeless will um, engage in aggravated assault. Sometimes they they are engage in public nudity. They engage in all these acts that we won't, wouldn't want children to be around or have happen to them. Um, and there's not really anything else we can do but use the police to just flat out remove them and say, well, they go, they go wherever they go. And then the other argument is, um, you know, for example, if they're hanging out in front of a storefront. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but you'll see this a lot. There'll be homeless people who, you know, sit out home storefronts and that while technically the sidewalk is not their private property, it's encroaching on their private property by um, sort of blocking it, um, making it less desirable to go into that private property, and etc. So that that's kind of their argument. Well, how how would you respond to that? Would you would you say, oh, that kind of changes the situation, or is there some other explanation there that you would say? 
Well, I think the key element there is a matter of timing. What you're saying is um, uh, we can't solve this in the next five minutes, so what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. But these problems have been with us for decades, right? So it's not a matter of timing. I mean, uh, we've always had bums, uh, homeless people uh, floating around. Uh, one way to solve it from a pragmatic point of view is to um, open up the mental hospitals. I think uh, due to um, Thomas Zahs, the mental institutions have been um, opened up and, and all the uh, handy, mentally handicapped people have been uh, let out on the street. So that would be one solution. Another solution is uh, the government should stop all of its anti-housing policies. Uh, and it's got many, the zoning and rent control and, and um, unions and, and all sorts of other things. So if the government was really concerned about this, that they would stop their, their policies that um, interfere with housing and we'd have uh, double, triple the amount of housing and then the, the problem wouldn't go away, but it would be a lot less serious. So if you want to be pragmatic about it, I think that's uh, one way to go. Another way to go is, um, uh, you know, People will then, if, if the problem of libraries and, and museums and uh, parks become so, um, so bad, entrepreneurs, it doesn't take entrepreneurs very long to open up, uh, you know, to knock down a few houses, uh, maybe a whole city block full of uh, old houses, uh, buy them up and knock them all down and, and put in a park and, and charge money. I mean, we do have um, Disney World and five flags or uh, I, I forget the uh, other parks there are there are private parks out there and uh there are certainly um private libraries and, and private museums and and uh, the whole problem would would go away but we libertarians have to put privatization front and center my motto here is that if it moves privatize it if it doesn't move privatize it and since everything either moves or doesn't move you privatize everything well how are we going to get toward privatization one way to get toward privatization is to allow public um, property and public spaces uh, to be seen uh, with all of their flaws and and we don't want to stop the flaws i mean i'm not in favor of you know telling bums to come to the park and, and and make it rough for kitties but if if they're there um, you know, uh, to, to move them out is problematic. Hmm. So would you say that really, um, it, it's not just about, you know, m- not moving the bums out of the park. Isn't just about, you know, the, the principled, well, let's not use police against nonviolent people, but also it, there is the pragmatic level that, actually leaving them there makes public property less desirable and leads to our goals. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that's true. I mean, if you want to promote liberty, uh, that's privatization. And you have to ask, well, um, is this a move toward or away from privatization? Hmm. And I think uh, getting the police to uh, stop them is um, a move away from privatization. You know, it's uh, similar. Uh, the Marxists really are against labor unions mm-hmm. and they're against welfare. They, they think that, um, I mean, they, in their heart of hearts, they favor this because it'll help the poor in their view, although our view on on unions and, and welfare is that it hurts the poor, but that's a different issue. They think it helps the poor, but they're still against it because they think that it buttresses the capitalist system and they want to have a revolution. Well, you know, we're all Marxists now. Don't repeat that out of context <laughs> or, or I'll, I'll get in trouble. But in this sense, I think we can borrow a leaf from the Marxists. We want to be radical too. And one way to be radical is to you know, look at public property as, as theft. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting view, and that those are things that I didn't really consider, even though, you know, like, I have that background knowledge, you know, because um, I've heard a lot of the, uh, from my own readings of Marxist literature, about how, you know, they did not favor labor unions, they did not favor welfare, because it made conditions somewhat better under capitalism and made it harder for the revolution, per se. Um, so, would, would you say that in not just this situation, but really all of the situations that apply to libertarian principles, you would say letting it get worse would, you know, lead, eventually lead to our positions really being adopted because they would, they would show the, the alternative is really better? Well, I'm, uh, again, I'm trying to draw a thin line here or, or stay on the tightrope. I'm, I'm not saying that we should encourage mm -hmm. bums to come. Sure, you know, for it, sure. It's interesting. Um, at, at some university whose name I won't mention, uh, what happened was that the students went down to very rich areas and, and, and um, made sandwiches for bums. Mm -hmm. And the very rich people in the rich neighborhood didn't much like it. You know what they did? They started making sandwiches right near that university and inviting the bums to the university. <laughs> and uh, the university didn't much like that. Even the students didn't much like it. In other words, it's okay for them to push bums on other people, but not onto themselves. So they're a little hypocritical here. And I think we have to try to avoid hypocrisy. Hmm. So I, I guess it, it would, the best way to characterize it would be a sort of ambivalence to it, you know. Um, not support it, but not oppose it, um, which I, I think also is kind of the position originally that uh, a lot of people on the side of get rid of the bums were, was actually that they were trying to be ambivalent to the use of police, like, because they saw they saw the not having bums in parks as, as a good thing, because, you know, you don't want children around, people who are shooting up drugs, or uh, engage in public nudity, or public sex, um, and so they were, you know, ambivalent to the use of police against them. But would you? Is, but you're saying that it is probably better for our ends to be ambivalent um, towards the bums being there in the first place, and, and and oppose the use of police force. Yeah, well, I guess I'm I'm an agnostic all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned uh, public uh, sex. Uh, there's another uh, debate that I got into, I think, with Hans Hoppe, um, and, and that was the front lawn fornicator. Mm -hmm. Forget about parks. Everything is private. And uh, this couple, they like to fornicate on, uh, on their front lawn. And, and there's a private road, and, uh, you know, it's a, a nice development, and the kids and the horses are scared. And uh, the question is, well, how do you stop that? And, and what Hans is saying is that you have to – That I think it was Hans. I'm not sure. There was somebody that I got into a, a debate over this, and they were saying, well, you need more than a non-aggression principle. Mm -hmm. Because having sex on your front lawn is uh, not per se a, a, a violation of – a rights violation. And yet we don't want it. And, and, and libertarianism with its non-aggression principle will not get it for us. And my side of that argument was, well, you know, libertarianism will get it, it for us. Namely, what we'll have is a condominium development or a gated community or a, a homeowners association. And when you buy a house uh, in this development, you have to agree to be bound by the rules. And in most uh, condo associations, the rule will be 
no um, fornication on the front lawn. Uh, and, and, and also, we're going to have um, uh, annual meetings or monthly meetings or whatever because, you know, uh, somebody will say, well, I'll masturbate on the front lawn, uh, which is just as bad, but, but we didn't think to prohibit that. Well, then we'll change the rules. So we, uh, you know, no rule can anticipate every weird uh, thing. Mm-hmm. So you need uh, a, a continual meeting, you know, uh, once a year or twice a year or something like that. And, and then there could be other condominium associations where front lawn fornication is required, right? Uh, everyone has to do it at least once a week. Otherwise, you get kicked out of the condo association. So you could have people who uh, wanted those things. And then people would separate themselves out based on whether they're straight or, uh, or uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, uh, heavily sexed or whatever the word is, where, where you're required to um, engage in front lawn fornication. But I think uh, private property rights are, are the solution to this and many, many other problems. And the reason we have these problems is because we don't have private property rights. And then, then um, uh, critics of libertarianism say, well, well, what should you do about um, uh, the police uh, stopping homeless people from getting into parks and making it impossible for little children to uh, thrive there? And one answer to that is, look, that's not our problem. We have a solution. Privatize the goddamn park, and then there's no more problem. And stop uh, hocking us with um, you know these problems that are really your problems. We don't have that. another way to answer this question is say we don't have to answer it, or we do have an answer. Privatize the park, and don't tell me well what what should we do now? Uh, because right now it's not a libertarian society, and we're just defending libertarian societies. We're not defending. Um, uh, um, what's the word mixed mixed economies mm-hmm. or mixed uh, mixed societies where you have some public and some private we're not defending that and, and it, it does create problems and and these problems are really insoluble and and I, I guess I'm trying to wrestle with them and uh, but I'm not really happy with with all of my um, answers because um, uh, you can always say well you know what about the poor kids and you know uh, you know our heart goes out to the poor little kids that can't go uh, play in the playground. And I, I guess a better answer would be, it's not our problem. Shut up. Uh, we have an answer. Privatize it. You don't like it? Too bad. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting because what, what I've seen from witnessing this debate as it's been going on is that the people who do, most of the people who do oppose uh, the use, use of cops against, you know, um, bums in the public parks they're not really operating in this way where you're saying well it's not our problem because we gave you the solution and you know it's either do that or we're not going to be on your side um but the people who are defending it right now a lot of them i see them going well well it's just it's just you can't you can't use violence against them you can't use violence against them um, and even going as far as to say, like, well, violence shouldn't be used against them at all. If they're, even if it was a private park, you know, and I, I, I find it, you know, weird that they're op- they, they continue to operate in, um, this current, the current, um, trying to look for the word, the current functions of the society rather than say, well, we have the solution for it, like you're saying, 
Um, and if they don't, well, you're going to see the, the, the consequences of your actions and, um, and see how bad it really just gets. And I think, well, um, there, there are some people who are pacifists and don't believe in the use of violence, even defensive violence. Uh, but libertarians, and there are some libertarians who are pacifists and, you know, uh, the, the usual answer to them is suppose I'm hitting your kid. Are you going to stop me or not? And um, uh, that wouldn't be an embarrassment for them. But libertarianism is not necessarily pacifistic. Mm-hmm. We just oppose the, initi- the initiation of violence, not the defensive use of violence against the initiation of violence. Mm-hmm. So if we had a private park and somebody came and, and um, uh, we didn't like them, we should be able to kick them out. A lot of stores have this sign, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Mm-hmm. They're perfectly entitled to, to do that. And if you don't have shoes and you don't have shirt, uh, go go somewhere else. Don't come into McDonald's or whatever the, the place, the restaurant um, has. And and what we could say is that if you're a, a smelly bum and uh, you're engaging in all sorts of things that uh, would perturb little kids and their parents, don't come to this park. Okay. Um, I kind of have, I think, I think this would be the last kind of question because I think it gets down to um, property ownership and another debate that I think comes from this debate and has been debated a lot in libertarian circles and it's really just who owns public property who gets the right to set standards for them um, does anyone get the right to set standards as long as it exists or um, do we have to just open it up to everybody under the libertarian framework at least uh, moral framework that is well you know when the Soviet Union uh, went kaput uh, there was a question, well, who gets to own uh, the farms and the factories and the buildings and the office towers and stuff like that? And uh, if we had a God's eye view where God knows everything, we would just say, well, this guy spent so much money on taxes, he gets so much acreage of the farm or the forest, and this guy was taxed that amount and he gets so much, and that would be the end end of the story. Um, another way to do it is... Um, um, the farms, the collectivized farms belong to the farmers because they mix their labor with them and the factories belong to the factory workers. And that's, uh, you know, that's not so bad. There was this case in uh, British Columbia, Canada, uh, where there was this company called BCRIC, BRIC, British Columbia Resource Investment Corporation. Well, uh, when the NDP, the socialist government, was in there, uh, there was a crown corporation, which is sort of like, I don't know, a utility or, or a government bureau. And they owned forests and, and lumber mills and, and all sorts of stuff. And then a, a vaguely free enterprise, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, government came in and they wanted to privatize it. And what they did is they made a new co- uh, corporation, brick corporation, and they gave five shares to every British Columbian. Well, that's not exactly right, because some paid more taxes than others, but what the heck? Uh, you have to give them at least a B-plus for effort in privatizing. So I think that would be the, the way you go. You, you, um, you know, I've, I've got a book on uh, we should have private roads and private rivers and uh, private lakes. Well, how do you decide? Who, who gets to own the Mississippi River? Uh, if, well, the, the people who used it. The people who have those boats going up and down the Mississippi River, the people who have land on the side of the Mississippi River, because we assume that they used it a little bit more than everyone else. 
Uh, the same with the highways. Who owns the highways? Well, um, uh, I live in uh, New Orleans, and the I-10 goes right past us. It goes from Florida out to California. Uh, who should own it? Well, um, we divide it up by everyone who's used it. And now we have, I don't know, 20 million people each with a share. And together they own the, the private uh, I-10 corporation. That would be how you would privatize it. It would be rough and ready because we lack God's eye view. We don't know exactly who paid what taxes and, and whose land went there the, during eminent domain. Uh, if we know that, then, then we should use that. But in the absence of anything, the key is to get it into private hands. And the BRIC thing was a step in the right direction. And, and so was the Soviet Union uh, getting rid of uh, collectivized uh, farms and factories. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really interesting. Um, and I, I would kind of just act, ask a follow-up, because um, I, know, I know you said not really operating in, you know, we're not libertarian, but like, it, would you would your view be then that with public property that exists now, uh, the government has no right to like enforce standards on the public property that exists? Um, well, according to uh, Lysander Spooner and Murray Rothbard, the government is just a robber gang. They have no <laughs> rights to do anything. The only thing that they have a right to do is to disband. Uh, so they shouldn't be uh, setting up anything. We should privatize it, and the private people would make the rules. Uh, hopefully on a libertarian basis. All right. Yeah, I I, I think that's a um, an interesting view, and I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you want to promote for my audience? Well, uh, we're supposed to talk about defending the undefendable free. Yeah. <laughs> we never really got to it. Uh, all I can say is that uh, there are now three volumes of it with uh, different characters in each of the books, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, Defending the Undefendable 1 came out in 1976, and the second one, I think, in 2009. And this one just came out in um, this year, 2021. So if you're interested in this, uh, get all three. Yeah, and uh, I'll make sure to leave a link down below uh, on where they can get it from the Mises Bookstore. Um, I really do suggest that I own Defending the Undefendables 1 and have read a little bit of D Defending the Undefendables 2. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get to Defending the Undefendables 3. And I appreciate you coming on. I think we had some really un interesting conversations. And um, yeah, have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.